Hey, welcome back. My name is Dominic Gaysom and you're listening to PR Hangover. Welcome back to PR Hangover. Today I'm joined with Carrie Porter. Uh, Carrie serves as the Associate Director of Communications at Scout Labs. Um, Carrie is an expert communicator and strategist with success launching companies, positioning startups, founders as thought leaders, and placing features in outlets including the New York Times, the Washington Post, TechCrunch, and Cosmopolitan. So I'm just a little intro question, a little icebreaker. Where are some places that you traveled and uh, what are your favorite places you've been to? Yeah. So my life is actually a series of traveling. My um, fiance is a travel uh, physical therapist. So I actually just moved home for two months from California. So that's probably one of my favorite places. We were there for nine months. Um, We were in Northern California. It's gorgeous. Big Sur is amazing. Um, But we also just got back from Europe after we got back from California. So I was in Italy, Greece, and London, and I actually studied abroad um, in Italy when I was in high school. So that's probably where where my heart is, my second home. And uh, while we were there, I actually just got engaged as well. So extra special. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, that's all very exciting. Uh, and then also in the interview process, you did mention to me that you were the president of your chapter of PRSSA. How was that experience? Did it give you any insights? Yeah, so I went to Kansas State University. Um, and as you mentioned, I was the president of the chapter there. And it was it was such a great experience. I actually, when I entered, it was really interesting because they didn't have an academic advisor. So they were transitioning from one and then they didn't have one to take over the position. So I had to find the academic advisor. And so that was really interesting because I was really leading from the start. Um, so after we were able to find an academic advisor, um, I you know spent a year as president and it was amazing, um, really pushed me out of my comfort zone. And it also gave me a lot of connections to professionals um, in the Kansas City area, which is where I'm originally from, that I wouldn't have had otherwise, which ultimately has helped me in my career. And then my next question uh, kind of relates to your career now, just in the simplest terms, uh, how would you kind of describe your position? Yeah, so uh, my parents always ask me this, and every day it's different. Um, so if I had to describe my job in two words, I would say like annoying journalist, but that's <laughs> it's just a joke. But really, communications is a number of things. So I do everything from strategy to executions. So I'm doing launch plans for products or new um, companies, messaging, positioning, building media lists, reaching out to an ungodly amount of reporters and doing client facing communications as well. So a huge part of my role is also kind of the account management being at an agency. Um, You know, I'm interacting with five to six different accounts throughout the day um, and really being their liaison. So. Um, just kind of along with that is like, what do you enjoy most about your work and like, what are your kind of favorite things that you do? Yeah. Um, so I'm a writer by heart, by trade. I love it so much. I went to school for journalism, um, with a a focus on PR. So, um, I love anything that has to do with strategic writing. Um, I also really enjoy media relations. I don't love the media list building part because it takes forever, (laughs) but, um, everything outside of that. So the relationship building that comes with, um, with media relations is also something that I really enjoy and really just 
anytime I get to interact with clients that are doing really cool stuff. And so my job now is very um, purpose-driven. So a lot of our clients are making advances advances in women's healthcare, um, helping marginalized communities, and just like making the world a better place at large. So um, really every part of my job is super rewarding and I really enjoy it. And I mean, that's really great that you get to kind of do things that you love in your job. And it's very fun that you get to have fun in your job as well. Yes, for sure. Going off of that, um, what skills are kind of most important to perform your job well? So also what I love, writing is huge. I'm sure that your professors drill it into your head all the time. I had a college professor who I will never forget, she gave you a zero on an assignment if you had a name misspelled or if you uh, wrote something that was incorrect, like factually inaccurate. And I'm still traumatized from that, (laughs) but in the best way, because it has made me be extremely accurate and thoughtful in, in my writing. So that's probably number one. And then the second is definitely relationship building. So obviously a huge part of what we do is interact with journalists, interact with communities, um, with organizations that are interested in working with us. So half of the battle with that is just making friends and, you know, you can send 500 impersonal emails and get 500 rejections. But if you're sending, uh, emails to people that you have relationships with, you're definitely more likely to get a response. And so I think it's huge to be aware of who you're talking to and know what they're writing about, what they care about, and just keeping um, that relationship going goes a really long way. And kind of what you were talking about a little bit earlier, um, you do get to write on a lot of issues. Um, How do you keep up to date on these latest um, skills and topics that you do in your line of work? Yeah, so I am a learner. I love learning. I miss school. Sometimes I think I want to go back, but I actually don't. Um, but part of that is I love webinars. So I'm I'm always looking for webinars. Um, PRSA has a number of really great webinars. Um, there's also just a number of resources around in the industry that are really helpful. And I also a couple of years ago took a pitching course from Michael Smart PR. So they have like an online pitching course. That's really great. And um, I just think in general, professional development is really important. And then on the flip side of that, also building community around me with other people in the space and networking. So there's a community on Slack called Spin Sucks, and it is a PR-related community. And you can literally just ask the group. I think there's like, I don't know, 3,000 members or something, and you can Slack the channel. And if you have a question, they'll respond to it. And people are really willing to help. Um, so I think just continuing to build my community and and knowing what resources are out there has been really helpful for me. And I just want to say uh, PR people do have the best names for yeah. anything. It's been sex. Yes, um, it's such a great name. Um, yeah, Jenny Dietrich is the owner. of. She's great too, but um, I could rave about Spin Sucks. But yeah, they're so creative and clever with naming because it's communications. We have to be. <laughs> of course, of course. Just off of that, um, do you have like a specific preference in PR, um, strategic communication, media relations, any of that? Um, Yeah. So I've actually gotten more experience in, we'll call it crisis comms, but it's more issues management because it wasn't the company in crisis. So we work with a 
a company that does abortion care, uh, telemedicine abortion care. And so there has been obviously a lot of legal battles around telemedicine abortion care, as well as political issues. Um, and so that has been really interesting in the last year, um, kind of understanding that landscape and doing like, we call it litigation communications, because we're responding to litigation that the company is not directly involved in, but that it directly impacts the work that they're doing. Um, and so it's been really interesting to navigate that and understand like where our role kind of crosses into the like broader issues that are happening in our country, both legally, politically. Um, it's been really interesting. So I think that I've really enjoyed that. And then I also mentioned too, I love media relations and um, anything where I get to be really strategic. And um, when I have a moment, spend some time thinking strategically and high level about, you know, broader communications plans. So I did read your uh, one piece that's on your LinkedIn, the LGBTQ plus community is growing. So why don't we see them on screen? Um, I kind of just wanted to ask, like, uh, why is queer representation and storytelling so important? Yeah, so I think the biggest reason is that because queer individuals make up a huge portion of our world. Um, and we're not the minority that everybody thinks that we are. I mean, sure, it's a smaller population compared to like your cis, gender, straight people, but um, we're a large portion of people with large support systems that are going to continue to stand by us. And this only continues to grow. The statistics show that more and more people are identifying as LGBTQ. Um, I think a lot of that is because they've always been here, but now it's more accepted to to say these things. So basically it's, if a company isn't on board, they're never going to catch up at this point. Like it's 2023, almost 2024, you got to get on board and you also have to um, do it in the right way. And I also think a really important part of telling these stories is that queer people have spent years fighting for this opportunity to be able to say these things and talk about these things on a podcast. And now that we're here, we owe it to those who fought before us to continue sharing our perspectives because otherwise like that would go to waste if nobody was using, you know, the platforms that we are now able to use to talk about queer issues. Just because you do a lot of writing on uh, queer representation and uh, similar topics, do you, would you say it's like harder to write about these issues that you're very passionate about? Um, I think I find it easier actually, because there are things that I think about all the time. I think the hard part in some ways is censoring myself in those topics. So recognizing that there is some neutrality that has to happen in the conversation. I can't come in hot all the time as much as I would like to, but, um, it's easier for me because when something upsets me or I notice something in the media that doesn't sit right with me, I write it down and then I'm able to process things as I write almost like a journal, but then I just publish those journals on, on the internet. Um, and it helps me apply like what I know, find out what I don't. So research is huge, obviously, because there's no way I could know everything about the issues. Um, and then also determine like what the best path forward is to presenting that information with, you know, with a lot of thought and in a way that other people who aren't as used to reading or writing about these issues, um, may find interest in them. I totally agree too with the writing. Like I will know, I'll be like, okay. And then when I'm passionate about something, I, I feel like I could write so much on that too. Yeah. Like it's, 
it's so the best way to, to get yeah. your brain going. Right. Yeah. So I, I actually have sticky notes at my desk and I will like, if I think of something in a meeting or somebody says something, or I read some crazy news story, like I write down a headline and I put it on my computer screen. And then like, sometimes it turns into an article, sometimes it doesn't, but like the, in the case of the article that you were just talking about, that is what happened. So mm-hmm. it's just good to get it out and, and write it down. Mm-hmm. That's a. I might have to steal that strategy from you in the future. Um, yeah, please do. I, yeah, the, my ideas never really go far. I just kind of hold on <laughs> to them. What makes an advertisement a good representation of LGBTQ plus issues versus like just a corporate activism situation? Yeah. So um, that's a great question. I think the first thing that goes into any of this is that it's important that they're working with LGBTQ creators. Um, so I know like it is so easy to tell when something was slapped on a whiteboard by a middle-aged cisgender man and colored with rainbow markers for lack of a better term. Um, and a lot of companies in the last, you know, five years have gotten in a lot of trouble for that. Um, so I think it's huge and it also needs to be blended into everything that they're doing as a corporation. So it can't just be pride month. We're going to change our logos. Like everybody hates when their iPhone is suddenly all rainbows because all of the app logos change. And it's like, okay, I know Rakuten, for example, doesn't care that like, you know, about the LGBTQ community at large. I mean, I don't know that actually, but let's just do that. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about like Target, Bud Light. They've had huge issues in this area and Target has really tried to correct those issues but there still seems to be a little bit of an issue. So like, for example, this year, there was the issues with the, um, like all of the pride stuff being at the front of the store. Some of the stores had to move them to the back because they were being vandalized, which is horrible. But Target, I don't think handled it the best way they could. Cause then it's like, okay, we're going to put you in a corner because like bad things are happening at the front of the store. So we're going to put you in a corner. I don't think they thought of it that way. So it's just being really thoughtful about when you are, creating things for the LGBTQ community, you have to be thoughtful. And the best way to do that is to have those people in that community creating those things. Um, And then the other thing that you have to think about that is like, what happens when somebody pushes back in a very real way? Um, The Bud Light is a perfect example. It's terrible. What happened? They did not stand behind Dylan Mulvaney at all. And they should have. I mean, you can't say that you support a community, put them into your advertisements and then pretend like it didn't happen. Like the weirdest response ever. That's like the worst crisis comms I've ever seen in my life. So it's just being like understanding that the response that you have has real impact. And like, if you are seeing somebody negatively talking about something that you've created, like you have to stand behind the people that you put into that advertisement, because if you don't, then you're just saying it's okay to treat people who are different this way. I totally agree. Like, I just, I don't appreciate like when companies don't support their advertisements, like you said it, but do you really mean it? And I think that's just always going to be an issue for ever because companies just don't know how to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. And it goes, I mean, it goes beyond even just like how they're responding to public issues. It's also what they're doing within their corporation. Mm -hmm. So if they're not supporting LGBTQ individuals in like every way that you should support them. I'm talking like across the board, like healthcare benefits that that benefit them directly. So transgender rights, if we're talking about maternal health and, um, you know, fertility treatments for couples who are same sex, like all of these things are so important. 
And like, that has to be part of your organization too, or you can't be putting advertisements out saying that you care about the community because do you really, if you're not helping the people that are directly working with you? You're in your career now. Uh, like what would you kind of tell students who are kind of in my spot? Like what, what should they, like what's some general advice you could give them? Yeah. Well, first of all, let me, thank you for having me on the show and let me have my little tangent that I just went <laughs> on. So, but um, so yeah, students in the, uh, it, like in order to get to where I am today, like I had a lot to learn, but um, the biggest thing that I had to learn is that I don't have to settle for like what is expected of me in a career or like what is the first option that's given to me. So everyone thinks they have to settle for the first job they get out of college. That's not the case. Like, yes, I recognize that people need a job out of college. Maybe some aren't fortunate enough to have somewhere to go without a job. They need the income. Totally makes sense. Like get that job. Great but you don't have to stay there just because it's a stable income or because that's what your parents want you to do, or that's what society tells you to do. Um, I think for me in particular, I wanted to do something that mattered. I wanted to do social justice work, but I didn't know how to get to that path. So I stayed where I was for a really long time and I don't regret it at all. I had such a great experience at my first agency, but switching careers or not careers, but switching jobs has been huge for me because it's allowed me to put the stuff that I was doing on the outside of work into the work that I'm doing. Um, So basically you deserve to have a career that you love and like your first job can be a stepping stone. And if it doesn't serve you, like you can leave it. Well, I just want to thank you for joining me today. It's been a long journey, but I'm glad we finally got this meeting. Thank you for listening to PR Hangover. Below is all the guests' information, and I hope to see you next time.